Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Tonight we're going to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. As I prepared for this message, reflecting on the current events happening in our nation, Uh, God reminded me of a powerful story in the Old Testament. And this is one of the the most powerful stories that we could ever read. And this story is about the book. It's in the book of Esther, obviously about Esther. The story is an example of, of how faith was put to the test against the enemy that wanted to destroy God's people. Esther was faced. She was faced with a decision and an opportunity to defend her people or have them perish under the hand of an evil man named Haman. At first, she was a little fearful and apprehensive about taking a stand. With that, please turn with me to the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 8. Verses 8 through 16, please. And this story takes place after Haman bribes the king Ahasuerus to sign a decree for the Jews to be destroyed. Many of you know this story. But when Mordecai, the Jewish leader, learned of this decree, he tore his clothes and ran through the city with sackcloth and ashes, crying bitterly. Crying bitterly. So Esther, chapter 4, verse 8. He, Mordecai, also gave a copy of the written decree for their destruction, which was given to Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her, that he might command her to go into the king to supplication to him and plead before him for her people. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. And this is what it says. All the king's servants and the people of the king, a king's provinces, know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law. Put all to death except the one to the, whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself, Esther speaking, have not been called into the king these 30 days. Saints, obviously, Esther was concerned of speaking to the king without being summoned. She knew that this was a punishable offense if the king did not grant her request. So, verse 12 says, So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. And he said, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than any than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Saints, in other words, God has placed you 
in this position for such a time as this. Verse 15, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Esther's faith, saints, was put to the test. And she stood up to the challenge before her. I do encourage you to read the book of Esther and find out what happens with Esther and with this man named Haman. Amen. God, our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Tonight's title of the message obviously is For Such a Time as This. For Such a Time as This. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we come before your glorious throne. We thank you, Lord, for all your provisions. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching that the words that flow from my mouth come directly from your heart. I do pray, Father, we will surrender ourselves this brief moment to receive from your spirit, Lord, what you want us to hear, but not only to hear, Father, to put in application as well. I thank you for all those that are here and those watching as well. Continue, Lord, to minister to us. Continue to help us to look beyond this smoke screen and to trust you in these times. Thank you for this word. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, saints, before we go to Hebrews 6, please come with me to Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14, please. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Verse 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let's read that again in the New Living Translation, please. And it says here, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Between right and wrong. And saints, that's the theme of this Bible study tonight. Obviously, brothers and sisters, we are here. We hear in these verses a call to spiritual maturity. And I love what it says. Those who, through training, have the skill. Through training. This reminds me of my walk with Christ when I first came to Jesus Christ. Several years ago. I really enjoyed the milk of the word. 
The problem was that I enjoyed it a little too much, and I didn't want to grow beyond it. Yet I soon noticed that my walk with Christ became stagnant. I became complacent in my relationship with God. I did not realize, or should I say, I chose to ignore that God wanted something deeper for me. But in order for that to happen, I had to totally commit all my life to Him. All my life. I had to, I had to learn how to die to self. I had to learn for El Rubio to die. Amen? Questions. I love questions. My question to all of those here and those watching is this. How does your relationship with Jesus Christ look like? How does your relationship with Jesus Christ look like? Or, allow me to ask it this way, the way I ask the youth when I get a chance to speak to them. And I present it in this way with them. I said, if the Christian faith was dependent on you, would it continue to thrive and grow? Or would it wither and die? Would it cease to exist? Is your relationship with God thriving and growing? Or is it withering and dying? Amen? Well, in our study tonight, we're going to talk about a few things that pertain to that. With that, please, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. I'll have the verses here when we uh, look at them again. Here the author is speaking of the dangers of, of not progressing or not growing spiritually. So Hebrews 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, of laying on hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until 
the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, before we take a closer look at these verses, allow me to share something with you about the book of Hebrews. Obviously, the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews, okay? And, and there was three groups of Jews that he was pertaining to or talking to. The first group was Christians, those that received Jesus Christ. The, number two was the unbelievers. And number three was intellectual Jews, those that have heard the gospel and believe it, yet have not committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Now keep in mind that this group, the intellectuals, is the group that he's speaking of in these verses. There are some that you would say, well, pastor, uh, what does it have to do with me? I'm not a Jew. How does that pertain to me? Well, I'm glad you ask. These Jews that have heard the gospel, they believe that it is the word of God. And yes, some even believe that Jesus is God. Yet they have not committed their lives to him. They have not received him as their Lord and Savior. Saints, there are some people today that have heard the gospel. They believe that it is the word of God. They even believe that Jesus is God. Yet they are not saved. They have not been born again. Why? Why? Because they have not surrendered their lives completely to Jesus Christ. They have not received Him or have made a heart commitment to Him as their Lord and Savior. You know, several years ago I did a study of, of how many people are truly saved that come to churches. And what I discovered was alarming. The statistics reveal that, that those that regularly attend Christian churches that 50% of them do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. 50%. 50%. That really opened my eyes. Amen. With that, let's take another look at these verses. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, please. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works, from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let me pause there for a sec. Saints, speaking from personal experience, this is where the majority of Christians camp out. I say that respectfully. And what I mean by that is, for me, as an example, I was first introduced to Jesus Christ. And I say introduced because I made a, a head acknowledgement, but I didn't make a heart commitment to Christ. I wanted to live my life the way I wanted to live it. Yes, I called myself a Christian, yet, yet I had no direction. I had no intentional purpose in my relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I was stuck sucking on the bottle, thinking that just being justified was the end of this journey. But I soon realized, I soon realized that I was not alone in this. I realized that, that many people are stuck in the same condition today. You know, I read my Bible, I attended church, I prayed, I thought I was doing all the things that Christian, a Christian should do, should be doing. Yet, I was not growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ. There was something that was still missing. I was still on the bottle drinking the milk. So what was that thing that was missing? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was never trained to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. No one taught me about the sanctification process that all believers should embrace. Oh, sure, I was a follower of Jesus Christ, yet I knew very little a bit about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yes, there is a huge difference. The truth of the matter is that there's two things that many Christian churches struggle in. Number one is prayer. And number two is discipleship, making disciples. Every Sunday you hear Pastor Jim teaching, making disciples, challenging us, challenging us. You know, allow me to share this story that paints a good picture of where many Christians are in their relationship with Christ. Allow me to paint this picture. And the title is, The Circus is Coming to Town. It's about a little boy named Johnny. You know, Johnny lived in a, in a very small town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and he lived on a farm with his dad and was filled with chores taking care of the farm with his dad. One day at school, he heard that the circus was coming to town. He was so excited. He had never been to the circus, but he loved looking at the books filled with all the pictures of the circus. After school, he ran home in his excitement and told his dad, 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 can I please, can I please go to the circus when it comes to town? It only costs a dollar. His dad replied, well, you have a lot of chores to do. But if you finish them all, you can go and I'll even give you that dollar. Well, after a few weeks passed, finally the big day was here. The circus was coming to town. On that day, Johnny finished his chores and his dad gave him that dollar bill. And Johnny ran to the center of town. As he got closer to town, he heard the most amazing music that he's ever heard. He heard the circus band coming through Main Street. And as Johnny stood there side of the street, what he saw next totally amazed him. He saw the circus announcer there blaring his voice and inviting all to come to the circus. Then his mouth fell wide open. He saw all the cages of the animals. He saw the elephants, the zebras, the giraffes, the monkeys. He saw the lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my. What seemed like hours of parade continued down Main Street. Finally, at the end of the parade, 
Johnny saw a multitude of clowns. Johnny could not believe what he had just witnessed. Never had he seen something so amazing. In his excitement, Johnny ran to the last clown and gave him his dollar. The clown looked at him with a confused look and smiled and he took the dollar, put it in his pocket and continued on with a parade. Johnny was speechless. He could not believe what he just saw. He stood there amazed. And seeing the parade move on, Johnny ran home in his excitement. He ran home. You see, brothers and sisters, Johnny thought that the parade was a circus. Not realizing that the parade was just an invitation to come and see the main attraction. After sharing this story several years ago, a brother came to me afterwards and said, Pastor, can I have a moment with you? He said, sure. He came to me and he said, you know what? I'm that little boy. I'm that little boy. I've been watching this parade go by for 32 years. Yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I come to church. Yes, but I still feel there's something missing. I'm that little boy. Well, I introduced him or talked to him about the discipleship process that we're going through here. And I told him, I said, listen, if you're totally committed to this, this thing or this process will change your life. He goes, I'm in, I want to do it. I go, wait, 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 wait a minute. I said, this is a 36-week process. He took a step back, and guys, he blew me away with his response. He said, you know what, Pastor? I spent 32 years of my life watching the parade go by. I think I can invest 36 weeks to get the main attraction. Wow. Blew me away. Blew me away. This brother went through the mentoring process here at Calvary. And his life has never been the same. At this moment, I want all of the men and women to stand that are involved in the mentoring, that have gone through the mentoring process. You guys, please stand. And for those that have never gone through it, take a look. Please take a look. Okay? Because afterward, if you have questions, seek them out. Seek them out. These men and these women are on fire for Jesus Christ. Wow. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, praise God with that. Let's continue in our study of the book of Hebrews. <coughs> Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. It says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. To an open shame. Saints, here are some verses that are often misunderstood. And often misinterpreted. Okay. 
First of all, first of all, we should notice that this passage makes no reference at all to salvation. There is no mention of justification, sanctification, the new birth, or regeneration. The enlightenment spoken here has to do with the intellectual perception of spiritual biblical truth. Remember who he's talking to. To give light by knowledge or teaching. When Jesus first came to minister, he declared, he came to Galilee to to minister, he declared he had come to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 9-2. Of Isaiah 9-2. And it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Upon them a light has shined. We see that fulfillment in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 16. These people in Galilee saw Christ. They heard his message from from his own lips. They saw his miracles with their own eyes. They had first-hand opportunity to see God's truth incarnate and an opportunity that only a few thousand people had in all of history. Yet, yet many, if not most of them, did not believe and they did not receive him. Saints, it's important. It's important to understand that this passage in Hebrews is not addressed to Christians. So many people take these verses out of context. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because, listen, please. Because a true believer in Jesus Christ never need fear he will lose his salvation. A true believer in Jesus Christ cannot lose his salvation. The Bible is absolutely clear about that. Turn with me to the book of John to see what Jesus said. The book of John, chapter 10, verses 27, 29. John, chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, okay? And it says, My sheep, Jesus speaking, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. They will never be separated from God. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. And He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Amen? Wow, amen. Some questions, true believers. True believers question. What can we do to earn our salvation? Nada, right? You sure? Are you sure? Absolutely nothing then we need to understand that there's nothing we can do to lose it. There's nothing we can do to lose it. 
In Philippians 1.6, it says this, Being confident of this very thing, that He, Christ, that began a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And again in Romans 5.10, it says, For if when we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Saints, you'd be amazed how many people struggle thinking that they can lose their salvation. This discipleship process that we, <laughs> we all grow through, that's one of the very first things we cover. The basic foundation fundamentals. Can we lose our salvation? Absolutely not. Not if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ. So saints, there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Then there is nothing we can do to lose it. Amen? Now please don't raise your hand. But how many people in here, don't raise your hands, <laughs> know people that have turned away from the Christian faith? Don't raise your hand. The question I often hear is, well, how about them? Do they lose their salvation? Brothers and sisters, a real question that we should reply with, or the answer is, were, were they really saved at all? Were they ever really saved in the first place? Now let's continue. In Hebrews, in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, now the, the New Living Translation says this, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring, bring such people back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross once again and holding Him up to public shame. Here in verse 6, we see the condition of many that hear the gospel and still refuse to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. My friends, if you're here and don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, please hear me. And for those of you watching, I, I want to make something perfectly clear so there is no misunderstanding. What this verse is saying is that for those who reject Jesus Christ, it simply means as far as they are concerned, the Son of God deserved to be crucified. Very harsh. Like it says, by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing Him to the cross again, holding Him up to public shame. My friends, one of the greatest lies of the enemy would want you to believe that just by, by standing on the sidelines, by holding off deciding, and even not directly opposing the gospel, that you are safe. Some say, oh, I got plenty of time. I'll do it the next time I hear the gospel. I'll come to Jesus Christ. Those are lives from the pit of hell. The truth is, the longer one stays on the edge, the more he leans towards the old life. 
And staying there too long inevitably results in falling away from the gospel forever. Very dangerous. Friends, it may not be or often is not a conscious decision against Christ. Well, I have nothing against Jesus Christ. I just don't want to receive him right now. How many of you heard that? But nevertheless, that is a decision. And that is a decision against Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you're not for me, you are what? You're against me. There is no gray matter here. You're either saved or you're not. Please, please do not reject him today. You may never have another opportunity. Never have another opportunity. Amen. Now let's continue in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 7 and 8. says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Whose end is to be burned. Now please turn with me to the book of Matthew. I'm going to see a couple illustrations here of that. Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, please. And many of you know this parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. And it says, verse 24 says, Another parable he put forth to them, that Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed, in his field. But while, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares or weeds among the wheat and went his way. But when the, when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does this have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us to go and, and gather them up? But he said, no, lest you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow, both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. You know, there's a phrase that Pastor Jim often says, and he says this, we are not to be salvation investigators. Amen. But we're to be what? Fruit inspectors. Fruit inspectors. There are times when we are presented with questions about someone's salvation. And the comment I tell them, these men know that, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Now come with me to chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 17 through 20. Matthew seven seventeen through 20. And 
And he says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears what? Bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Amen. By their fruits, you will know them. Guys, if you call yourself a Christian and you're still doing the things that you used to do, I'm not going to say you're not saved. I'm just saying your fruit is not evidence of your faith. And that's a very, very dangerous walk. Very dangerous walk. Question. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of fruit are you producing? Amen. Now let's come back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Now, praise God, this is a portion of Scripture. After the severest of warnings comes a word of encouragement. Praise God. <clears throat> Hebrews 6, 9, and 10. And he says this, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust. Hear this, please. For those saints that have been working and serving and doing this for so many years, please hear this. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Amen. You know, we see in John chapter 21 where, where the Lord recommissioned Peter, right? One of my favorite chapters in all the Word of God. And the Lord asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? You know, after Peter's replies, Jesus commanded him to what? Feed my sheep. Get to work. The Lord commanded him to fulfill his calling as a fisher of men. Brothers and sisters, our service to Jesus Christ must be based on an overriding love for him. I tell the men all the time, what's your motive here? If your motive is not love, then it's not of God. So many times we serve with, with, with a wrong motive. When we serve others, we should serve out of love. Amen. We can never properly love men or saved or unsaved, lovable or unlovable. You guys know some unlovable friends? I'm not going to say nothing. Don't raise any hands. Reuben, don't raise your hand. Lovable or unlovable until we properly love Christ. Amen. Saints, the works that we do for Jesus Christ is not, is not what saves us or, or is that what keeps us saved. These are the evidence or the fruit of our salvation. If you've been in this church six months or longer, it's time to serve. Time to serve. Children ministry needs volunteers. But how many times have I said that here? How many times has Pastor Jim said that? Sharing with a brother the other day, I don't like, I don't like kids. I don't, I, I don't do well with kids. You've got 16 of them, though. What do you mean you don't do well with kids? Praise the Lord. Some of you have been at this a long time. Praise God. 
serving others. Each year, each year we say, is this possibly the year of his return? My kids, I used to tell them all the time, Dad, you said that for the last 20 years, Dad. Lord, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? Well, glory to God. Saints, take a look. Take a good look at what's happening in our world today. Can you hear it? Every morning I wake up, Lord, was that the trumpet? It's your alarm clock. Praise the Lord. Are you guys excited? Or are you saturated with fear? Amen. 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 In Galatians 6, 9, it says this. And the New Living Translation says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. What? If we don't, what? Give up. If we don't give up. Some of us in here, man, we're dragging. You know what? Praise God. I try to keep up with Pastor Jim. Forget it. I gave that up years ago. That guy wears me out. Praise the Lord. He's, he's not a, he's, I talked to one of the young men that used to help us in the landscaping. He goes, yeah, Pastor Jim's not human, man. He's not human. I mean, praise God. We have an amazing leader here at this church. Amen? Amazing. There is no compromise in that man. Wow. Praise the Lord. Jokingly, I said this past Tuesday to him. I says, you, you go to prison, I'll go to prison. I'll get the Spanish section. You get the English section. So praise God. Amen. Amen. Let's read that again. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 in, in the New Living Translation. Okay, I think I jumped too far. And I said, I read that. Praise God. Let me share this, saints. We are living in the greatest time of history. You understand that? God has saved his best for last. You mean Tim? He's part of the best? Yes. <laughs> Praise God. My son Alex, the best? Yes. The best for last. I have prayed, saints, for this time in history. My God, everything's going so good, but you said it's got to go bad. It's going bad, right? (laughs) Uh, Pastor Jim, when I first walked through those doors, the very first thing, yeah, United States going down the tubes. I'm like, it's going down the tubes. I pray we're ready. I do. I pray we're ready. Now let's continue the verses 11 and 12 of Hebrews chapter 6. And it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become what? Sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Inherit the promises. In the New Living Translation it says it this way. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving who? Loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make, a, make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of faith and endurance. Faith and endurance. Praise God. You know, last Sunday, 
Pastor Jim put this slide up, very powerful. And he said this, God is looking for those who are willing to be available for the spreading of the gospel. How many of you kind of shriek when he said that? I did. First, when I first heard of this mentoring process, yeah, you we want you to mentor someone. I can't mentor nobody else. God is faithful. And he also said, are you discipling someone else? I often share with the men, do you have a Paul in your life? Do you have a Timothy in your life? Amen. Amen. You know, in our study today, we just started this chapter with those that are still drinking milk, right? And now the author speaks of becoming spiritually sluggish and dull. Meaning spiritually immature. Let's read these verses again, 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Hear these key words, guys. The same diligence the full of, to the full assurance of hope until what? To the end. That you not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. One of the questions I often ask the men in the disciple, discipleship group is, is, is this. I think I put it away. Is this. Would you want someone else to imitate you? Would you want someone else to follow your example? In Christ. You know, that's a very intimidating question. If you're still drinking the milk. If you still want to drink the milk. Mm. Very intimidating. Yet one that is diligent in things of God, one that desires to serve God with all of his heart, and one that desires to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the answer is what? Hear my Lord. Send me. Amen? Send me. This mentoring process, discipleship process, I've been doing it since 2009. Mentored scores of men. My wife has mentored scores of women. And guys, when I first stepped into that class, all I wanted to do was grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I could not see beyond mentoring anyone, much less being a pastor. Wow. Wow. But if you're still on milk and desire to stay there, you're one of those watching the parade go by. And missing the main attraction. You're missing out on the very best that God has for you. Because God has chosen you for what? For such a time as this. Amen? Now as the music team comes back up. Now my friends, those of you watching. Watching this in your homes. I'd like to invite you to receive Jesus Christ. As your Lord and Savior. Friends, take a good look. Take a real good look of what's happening in this world today. 
All these things that are happening are just not happening by chance. These things are written and prophesied in the word of God. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. My friends, Jesus Christ is the only solution for this world. Jesus Christ is the only solution for this nation. And Jesus Christ is the only solution for your problems. I'd like to pray with you where you are in your homes. Pray this prayer with me to receive Jesus Christ right there in your homes. Receive him in your heart. It's not about the prayer. It's about your heart to receive Jesus as your Savior. Please repeat this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you, Lord, a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask forgiveness for all my sins, Lord, the past, the present, and the future. I receive you now, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you came and died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried in a tomb, and on the third day you rose from the dead. Lord, help me from this day forward to live a life that pleases you. Help me to find a church that I can get connected with. But most of all, help me to always bring glory to your name. Father, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for eternal life. Help me, my God. Help me day by day to continue, Lord, just to grow stronger in my faith and to bring you glory. Thank you, my God. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, if you receive Jesus Christ in your heart, please go to a Christian church near you. Look for the pastor. Tell him what you did. Tell him what you did, and, and he'll take you under his wing and lead you from then on. Amen. Amen. If you live in the Queen Creek area, praise God. Come over here. And we'll love to rejoice with you as well. Amen? Amen. Here's our information once again. Maybe I passed it. Oh. Um, brothers and sisters, you'd like more information about the mentoring process? These men and women that stood up? Guys, this is a powerful process. It saved my marriage. It saved my life. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you once again. Thank you for all those that are here listening to this message as well. Continue, Lord, to help us grow in this faith. Help us to not only be followers of Jesus Christ, but to be disciples of Jesus Christ. This world needs to see the faith of the church, Lord, more now than ever before. Thank you for this time that we're living in. Help us to make an impact to our community. Father, we do pray for the harvest that's going to come, that we're ready, Lord that they will see the light that shines in us and that they will want to receive you as their Savior. Thank you, my God. In all these things we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.